Well, it's, uh, it's probably a number of years ago now, um, quite a few years ago. In fact, Sarah and I were still living in Brighton, and uh, it was before we had children. It was actually before I knew how to drive. It may be hard to believe, but I never got my act together in terms of getting my driving license until 2010. And I was, I was waiting at a tea stop in Brighton to go, in, go into downtown Boston. And as I was just kind of, it was an outdoor tea stop. And as I was looking around, I, I suddenly noticed not too far away, there was, there was a man on crutches really struggling just to kind of, you know, just to, to move around. And he looked a little bit sort of disheveled and, you know, could possibly have been homeless. And he was just, looked like he was in a lot of pain and really struggling just to move around. And as I was watching him, I was, you know, I was, I was, compassion was, was, was welling up in me. I was wishing that there was something I could do for him. And then, you know, a thought or something, a voice said to me, you know what, you should go and pray for him. You should go and pray for him because he's going to be healed if you pray for him. And then began this, this little battle in my mind. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, this is no. This is just me thinking this. This is stupid. I, I, you know, what's what's going to be the re- what's going to be the reaction? He 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 might be offended. He might be like, I don't need your pity, or you know, he, you know, what if I make a fool of myself? No, no, no. This is. I'll tell you what. Okay, if this if this is from God. If he's here tomorrow, the same time when I'm waiting for the tea, then I'll go pray for him. Okay, Whew, got away with it for a day. I was back the following day. And sure enough, he's there. <laughs> and my heart, it was a mixture of like, wow, and kind of my heart sank a little bit as well. Like, oh, boy. And I went through the same little inward battle. Well, you know, come on. I mean, this is just a coincidence that he happens to be here a day. You know, I tell you what, if he's here tomorrow, I will pray for him. And the third day comes around, and he's not there. And I had a mixture of feeling of of relief, (laughs) because I got off the hook, but also a little bit of disappointment. Because in that moment, I realized, what if that was God speaking to me? And I would decided to, to ignore the call of God. What if I had just come up and made my excuses for why I couldn't pray for that man, and what if he really would have been healed if I'd had the courage and the faith to just go approach him and ask him if I could pray for him? And it was, it was in that moment that I, I, just, you know, I just felt a little bit disappointed with myself because I, the more I thought about it, it was like, wow, I should have just done it. And you know what? If it wasn't God, what's the worst that could have happened? He, you know, he tells me to get lost or whatever. But what if he had been healed? And instead, I came up with my excuses and ignored possibly what God was calling me to. Now, when we look at this passage of Jeremiah here, we see an element of that, don't we? This is Jeremiah's call by the Lord to his, his ministry, his life. He was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, and he was called to a life of speaking in the name of the Lord. So as we look into this passage this morning, we're, we're just going to keep that at the back of our mind of are we possibly missing the call 
of God on our lives in the moment and in our overall lives. And so this, this, uh, this, this scripture here, it begins with a very, very powerful statement from the Lord. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's a powerful statement because it's what the Lord's saying is that even before Jeremiah was conceived, the Lord knew him. He already knew his life, what his life was going to be about, and he already knew what his calling was. And when the Lord says, he says, I knew you, that word knew, it's more, it's more than just an intellectual concept of knowing somebody, right? Like we might say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Melanie, I know Dave. No, this, it's from, the Hebrew word there is yada, okay? And it means to know someone intimately, to have a, a personal commitment to them. Listen, listen to Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, which says this, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. That word lay is the same word, yada. It's a very intimate word. It means to know somebody intimately. And the Lord's saying that's how he knew Jeremiah before he was even formed in the womb. It's also clear from this scripture that the Lord knew Jeremiah as a person in the womb. That he didn't suddenly become a person once he was born. But that he already knew him intimately and was the one responsible for forming him in the womb. It's a reminder to us that God is the one who creates and forms life. That, that word form, it's the language of a potter. A potter forming their, their sculpture. And not only does the Lord say that he formed him in the womb, but he says that he, he set him apart for a special purpose. That word set apart means to, to put aside for a special reason. It's like Jeremiah had a specific purpose in his life. So what's Jeremiah's response? Well, here come the excuses. Oh, sovereign Lord, you know, starts off nice, bit of flattery, right? Oh, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. Two classics right there. Does that remind you of anyone? Perhaps it reminds you of yourself, right? But if you're familiar with Scripture at all, you'll know that it, it is scattered with people that God calls and they, they kind of resist, right? And they, they start coming up with excuses as to why God can't use them. You know, let's, let's, let's uh, think of a few. How about Gideon? Right? Are you familiar with Gideon? Who, who needed not one, not two, but three signs from God before he was convinced that it was God's call on his life. <clears throat> Very much like me. Okay, if you just give me one more day, right? You know, Gideon says, do not be angry with me. Let, let me make just one more request. Even though you've answered my two other requests, just, just one more time before I'm convinced. How about King Solomon? All right, who says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. That's a bit like Jeremiah, isn't it? It's that, the classic, I'm too young excuse. What about Jonah? The Lord calls him to minister to the Ninevites. And what does he do to, to get escape God's will? He gets on a boat, on a ship, and goes in the opposite direction to Nineveh. That didn't end too well for him. 
especially if you're afraid of whales. But perhaps the one biblical character who really takes the crumpet for resisting God's call in their life has got to go to Moses, right? I mean, yes, that, that great and legendary figure of not one, not two, but three of the world's major religions, he wins top place for trying to out-argue God. I mean, seriously, there are almost two chapters of the Bible taken up with Moses arguing with God as to why he's not called by God, even though God's telling him he is called by him. It's not an argument you're going to win. But there he is. He's trying to come up with you know, every, every excuse under the sun. When God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he calls him to, to go to Pharaoh and to uh, rescue, bring the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses just comes up with every excuse under the book. You know, he says, well, you know, who am I? What if they've not heard of you? What if they don't believe me or what if they don't listen to me? I'm not a good public speaker. He says, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. (laughs) And that's one of the greatest heroes of our faith, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) But it's, it's, whenever I read that chapter, I, I do chuckle. Because, you know, you can, you can tell the Lord's been really patient with him. And Moses is, and, you know, eventually he says, and the Lord's anger burned against Moses. He gets to the point where he's like, look! <laughs> but, you know, it gives us a little bit of, you know, I find it refreshing because I, I, it reminds me, these people, they are the great heroes of our faith. And yet they were very human. They had their doubts and insecurities about themselves, didn't they? And just like Moses... Jeremiah has doubts about himself, doesn't he? He's insecure. He says, I'm only a child. And actually, he was probably uh, somewhere between about 12 and 16 years old. He was a kid. But you know what? This should be inspiration to um, teenagers and children in the room today. Or that it's not about your age. God can use you at any age he chooses. And in fact, he loves to use young people. But he says, I'm only a child. But the Lord, what does the Lord do? The Lord reassures him. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you and will rescue you. A few weeks ago, we had a sermon entitled, I am with you. From Isaiah, I think it was 43, chapter 43. I am with you. It's a very common message from the Lord to do not be afraid and I will be with you. And to seal Jeremiah's calling, the Lord, he touches his mouth and commissions him by saying, see today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And so the Lord is saying to Jeremiah here that I'm giving you oversight That's what the word appoint means here. I'm giving you oversight over the nations and the kingdoms, over the house of Yahweh, and that Jeremiah will be his mouthpiece to these nations and kingdoms. Jeremiah's life was not an easy one. He's known as the weeping prophet. And he was often the only prophet preaching the truth and with scores of other prophets, false prophets, saying, no, everything's going to be fine with you. Nothing's going to happen. We're not going to be invaded by the Babylonians. It's all going to be good. And Jeremiah was the only one saying, yes, you are. 
and you're going to be sent into exile. And it made him very unpopular. Something for us to remember sometimes when we're preaching the word of God and sharing, we're not necessarily going to be popular. We're not going to be telling people what they want to hear. But you know, as we, as we look at those biblical heroes, <clears throat> some of those that we just mentioned, it's easy to look at them and kind of wonder, well, you know, what was their problem? I mean, it seems pretty obvious, you, you, you know, God's right there calling you and you were still doubting. But what if we turn the spotlight on ourselves for a moment? What if we take the focus off them and turn the spotlight on ourselves and put ourselves in the same situation? How do we respond when God comes knocking? Have there been times in our own lives when we have tried to run from God when he is calling? You know, in the Old Testament, God called specific men and women for specific purposes to achieve his will. But here's the deal. We are not people of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant. We are people of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And if we are followers of Jesus... We are all called to be the Lord's mouthpiece and to witness to the world. We, we, we are the ones to proclaim the word of the Lord to the nations and to the kingdoms. It's not just a a case of specific individuals being called anymore, but it's about all of us, individually and collectively as the church, as God's people being called to proclaim the Lord's word. But we're good at making excuses, aren't we? Let's be honest. We're all pretty good at making excuses when something might seem a little bit difficult or we're not sure if eh, I want to do this, you know. Not me, Lord. Surely not I. You know, the false humility comes out. How could you possibly use me? You ever tried starting a diet? Yeah? I bet most of us in the room at some point have tried starting a diet. Um, I certainly have. And, um, you know, what, what generally happens is you get to a certain point where you just, oh, I'm, I'm just sick of feeling this way and not happy with the way I look and all that. I need to get in shape and all this kind of stuff. And you think, right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a diet. I'm going to do this. And the problem is that you, you have this thought on a, a Wednesday or a Thursday. And, of course, we all know that you can't start a diet except on a Monday, <laughs> right? You can't start a, who would start a diet midweek, Right? So you think, okay, it's, th- it's Thursday, I- I'm starting Monday. Come Monday, I am starting this diet. I'm going to go hardcore at it. Until then, I'm you know, going to pig out a little bit, you know, just get it all out of my system. Because I know once Monday comes, and then what happens? Monday comes around. <laughs> You're like, well, I, I kind of blew it with the breakfast I had. Um, you know what? I'll start Monday. I'll start the following Monday. All right, so I might as, for this week, I'll just eat what I want again, all right, because I know the time's coming, but I will start Monday. And of course, the problem is there's 52 Mondays in a year, isn't there? And this, this, this goes on and on. But we love to make excuses for things that are hard, things that are difficult. You know, if, uh, if you're anything like me, I have a, a great way of you know, trying to downplay the prompting of the Lord. That, that, 
um, story I shared at the beginning of the sermon is one example. But, you know, we're, we're great at having little conversations with ourselves, aren't we, in our heads? Right? And reasoning back and forth. I, I don't know if you're like me. I'm, perhaps I'm a little weird like this. But I do all kinds of silly little things like, you know, okay, Lord, if the light turns green by the time I get to it, that means... or If there ends up being 12 steps on the staircase, that means, you know, just these crazy little um, conversations go on. But when we ignore those those promptings, do you realize that you you might be missing opportunities and moments that could be instrumental to saving somebody's life, to saving their soul? Because you never know the seeds you sow when you act on those promptings. A, uh, a former pastor of mine, a dear friend, and um, a great mentor to me, <clears throat> once shared a story, a real-life story that he experienced. And he said um, a while ago he was, I think he was down in Texas, and he was on, uh, he was on holiday. And he was at a restaurant with some friends having a meal. And he said as he was having his meal and chatting with his friends, his, his eyes, his attention kept being drawn to a couple sat at the other side of the restaurant. And he couldn't help it. He, he, he kept looking over to them. His attention was drawn to them. And the thought came into his mind, they're having an affair. He didn't know this couple, never, never met them. And then he said, I felt the prompting. I felt the Lord saying, you need to confront them about this. And he said, and thus began the inner battle. He's having a friend with his, a meal with his friends. What are they going to think if he said, excuse me, I've, just, I've got to go and talk to this random couple over here. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You need to go and confront them because you think they're having an affair. And he said he went back and forth and it was really, you know, I'm, no, I can't do this, this is ridiculous. And eventually it became too much that he had to, he was compelled. And he said he went up to the, to the table and he introduced himself. He said, hi, um, my name's Bloody Blah, and uh, I'm a pastor. And I want you to know that I know you're having an affair. And this is not what the Lord wants for your lives. And he said, and as he said that, he said the woman started to tear up and, tear up and started to weep. And the man bowed his head. And just the shoulders started going as he started to weep as well. And it turned out that they were having an affair. And the pastor prayed with them, challenged them to, to end what they were doing and to, to reconcile. And then he left them, went back to his friends. But think about that. He possibly right there saved two marriages. We don't know the end of the story. But if nothing else, can you imagine the, the conviction they would have fallen under knowing that God had spoken to a pastor supernaturally about their situation and then that he had acted on it. If he had sat there and reasoned it away, their lives would never have been changed. So do you see that every time we ignore those little promptings, we could be missing the Lord's calling in that moment. Now, look, you might say, well, that's different. He, he, he was a pastor I'm a pastor. It's your job. That's what you guys are supposed to do. 
I just work a regular job and I, you know, I try to read my Bible and go to church on Sundays and be a good person. That's, that's not for me. Well, no, that, you see, that's all well and good, folks, but that's not really what it's about. We're not called to sit on our blessed assurances and let the professionals do the work of God. That's not how the church is supposed to work. We are called, all of us, by the very fact that we call ourselves Christians. If we truly follow Christ, we will follow his commands. What does John chapter 14 verse 15 says? It says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what was that? What was the last commandment Jesus gave his disciples? It was Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It's known as the Great Commission. What did Jesus say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're all called. We're all called, folks. We're all called to be Jeremiah's, to speak and show the truth and the love of Jesus to a hurting and a broken world. And guess what? Just like Jeremiah, you were known to the Lord, intimately known, before you were even formed in the womb. He has always known each and every one of you because he is eternal. Do you realize that? You're not known casually to God. He's not like, yeah, uh, bloody blah is an acquaintance of mine. He's a colleague. We work together. No, he knows you more intimately than anybody, anybody knows you. You've heard me say before, you're not a cosmic accident, right? Well, let me put it another way. You're not an incidental biological occurrence. That's what secular evolutionists would like to teach you. But no, you are instead, you've been created by and for God and his purposes. You know, one of the, one of the biggest myths <clears throat> that pervades our culture and has been so effective at muzzling believers and Christians in the, in the world, just in the, the normal workplace, is what, what's known as the sacred-secular split. Okay? And this is the idea that we are to compartmentalize our faith. And they were, we were only called to be followers of Jesus in certain places and settings. But in other places, like perhaps at work or a, a public uh, setting, we just have to put our faith in our back pocket and keep it out of sight. Right? I, I'm sure you, you all understand what I'm talking about, right? Because if you're a believer, we have to deal with this day in, day out. This idea that we have to compartmentalize our faith. But you know, a simple test to see if you compartmentalize your faith is to ask whether your co-workers or your non-Christian friends or whoever you hang out with is to ask if they even know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Do they know you're a Christian? And if the answer is no, you might want to reevaluate how you are living out your faith in your day-to-day life. Now look, I, I understand that we have to be wise in certain settings. 
we have to be wise about how we share our faith due to workplace restrictions. But we are still called to be bold and courageous with our faith. We are called to share the light. Remember we prayed about the light in us. We are called to share that light with others. What would that look like? Well, it might look like inviting a colleague or a friend or a family member over for dinner and sharing some of your faith and your story. It might involve listening to those inner promptings when you're at the supermarket that tell you to go and pray for the stranger by the deli counter. But whatever it is, folks, quit making excuses. Quit making excuses to avoid what God is calling you to. Quit the, I'll start Monday mentality. Your very existence and belief in Jesus is proof that you have been called, that you've been called to do this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, because of that, because of what your identity is, you can show other the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. So that's it, folks. That's it right there. Because we are a chosen people, because each and every one of us is a royal priest, we're called to show the goodness of God to others in our lives. So I want to leave you, as I like to, with a few points to think over this week. Number one, remember God created and knows you intimately. And he has called you to proclaim the truth of Jesus in all areas of your lives. Everywhere is the mission field. Everywhere. Not just, not just over in foreign countries where they maybe haven't heard of the, the gospel. No. Everywhere is the mission field. Your work, your home, your friends, your family. Everywhere. Number two. Develop and foster a state of spiritual alertness at all times. What do I mean by that? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, prepare your minds for action. So we want to be in a state of preparation. We always want to be in a state of alertness in our daily lives, looking for opportunities and openings for where we can share something about our faith. If you have that mindset and you have that, that, those glasses on, You'll be surprised at how many opportunities every day there are in your life where you have little, little snippets you could share with people, little seeds that you can drop and sow. I, I, I did one the other day. I, um, I'm, tr- I'm doing a fitness program right now, and um, part of the program is there's a, there's a, uh, one of the trainers will check in with you um, via a text or a, this app called Voxer. You know, they'll check in and see how you're doing. And uh, the trainer had mentioned that she was, uh, last week she was sick and had the flu. And, um, I t- you know, I just texted her back and I said, hey, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will be feeling better. I knew she wasn't a church person, but it was just a little seed. And she thanked me. There's so many little ways. That's just a small thing. But develop and foster that, that state of spiritual alertness. And then number three, quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. When you get those inner promptings, 
I mean, maybe not the prompting that says, you know, hey, finish off the two cinnamon buns. That, that, that may not be from the Lord. It may be. But, um, but no, those, you know, those inner promptings where you know it probably is the Lord because it's super awkward and something you don't want to do, but you know it might bless somebody. Act on those. Act on the ones that urge you to pray for someone or to help them carry their groceries or whatever it is. Act on those and watch the power of the Holy Spirit work in your life and in the lives of others. We all want that, don't we? We want to see the Holy Spirit work in our lives and work in the lives of others. You've got to step out in faith and quit making excuses. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would speak to us all this week as we go about our everyday lives, Lord, whatever our daily routines are. Lord, would you fill them with little promptings and inner urges that are from you that would be ways we can bless other people. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, open our, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual lens, that, so that we would be able to see these situations and to, to discern who would be open to your prayers and your promptings. Lord, I pray you would give us boldness and courage that we would not be intimidated by the fear of other people, of the fear of strangers, of how they might think about us or view us. But Lord, would you give us the strength just to do it anyway, to be faithful to you. We know you are faithful, Lord, and you will bless us when we step out in faith like this. Guide our thoughts and our actions this week. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.